Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I'm Jennifer and this is episode 101. Update. The AC is fixed. Thank God. I spent five days in the height of the Florida summer heat with no AC and somehow lived to talk about it. I, I cannot believe how spoiled I am when it comes to air conditioning. I'm usually the person complaining that I'm too cold, right? I, I, I have my, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I'll just tell you anyway. I have my thermostat in my home set at 83 degrees. So it has to be warmer than 83 degrees in order for the air to even kick on. And yet, in those days when I didn't have any air conditioning and I, the thermostat would read, you know, 87, 88, 89, it was so incredibly hot <laughs> and uncomfortable. And I kept thinking, it's only a few degrees. Like normally I'm fine, you know, with the AC set at 83, even sleeping. Like I'm, I'm fine with that. So how could 83 be comfortable for me and yet, you know, 86 be unbearable. I, <laughs> it's very odd, but it is fixed. Um, it, of course, was not a simple fix. Uh, he came uh, Tuesday, said he had to, he needed some parts. He had to come back. The next time we were able to um, match our schedules up so that he could come back was Friday. Different guy comes. He's very late. He was supposed to be here between nine and noon. Didn't get here until after one and worked on it for maybe 45 minutes to an hour. And when he was all done, I was like, you know, because I'm a renter. So my first instinct is always, oh, God, what did I do that may have caused this? And so I asked him, you know, what was wrong and, you know, if there was anything that I could have done to prevent it. And he said, oh, no, there was just a couple of loose connections. I just like resoldered them and then recharged your unit. I was like, so what part did you replace? And he said, oh, I didn't. Oh, so the guy who was here three days ago told me that he had to order a part. And this kid, I felt so bad because this kid, he's just looking at me like I'm nuts. And and he said, oh, I, I don't know what part he needed to replace. He said, there was no part that I replaced. I just saw some loose connections and fixed them. Okay, great. And it is running so well now that um, I'm actually shutting it off completely uh, at, at times during the day because it's getting too cold. Even at 83, I know I'm such a baby. Um, but what I'm wondering is because my electric bill has been so high, especially the last two months. And I'm wondering if it has just been um, running extra hard <clears throat> and maybe like the air isn't as cold or wasn't as cold as it is now, especially that it's, it's you know, that he um, recharged it. So I'm hoping that that means my electric bill goes down a little bit because it's been ridiculous the last couple of months. 
But the one thing I did, um, when the first repair guy was here on Tuesday, Oliver, you know, just kind of took off. I've only had one other person here the entire time that I've lived here, <laughs> like going on, is it two years? I think so. I think it'll be two years in October. Anyway, I've had one person here and uh, Oliver took off when he was here. But, you know, Oliver was so little that I just figured, oh, you know, whatever. He's that used to other people. Well, when the guy came on Tuesday, Oliver took off again, hid under my bed, wouldn't come out. And then when the guy came on Friday, a different guy, I warned him. I said, you know, you might run into my cat. If you do, he's going to be very scared of you and he's going to run in the opposite direction. Just, you know, just let him run. So he said, okay. And I noticed that Oliver was kind of hiding in the kitchen. So I let him be, you know, the repair guy was walking through, just ignored him. And Oliver was watching him very closely. And then I went to look for him and I saw one of my kitchen cabinet doors was open. <laughs> and so I knew where he was. So I just kind of quietly went over and closed the cabinet because the guy was still here. And I figured, okay, if he's in the cabinet and he feels safe, I'll just close the cabinet and let him stay in there. So that's what I did. And then after the guy left, I just went and opened up the cabinet and let him out. He, I couldn't believe he let himself into the kitchen cupboard <laughs> to hide. So, well, at least now I know when he's scared, he, he knows where he can go. But it was funny. So other than that, there isn't really much going on here. Uh, oh, oh, are you guys noticing the spike in COVID again? Wasn't it like right around this time last year? I think it was where I can't even remember which variant it was was like going crazy and it was super contagious and it seemed to just kind of be going like, I, I mean, I felt like everybody I knew was getting, it was going crazy at work and now it's happening again. It's going crazy at work. At this point, I think just about every person I know has had it, but except for me and I think one other person, but I am kind of starting to feel like one of the last kids, you know, on the volleyball court. And it, it is not a comfortable feeling. Like I almost want to get it just to get it over with because I feel, <laughs> I feel like I got a giant target on my back and, and really it's just a matter of time before I get it. But I mean, I don't want to get it, but I, oh. It's, it feels like a lot of pressure. <laughs> TV podcast recommendations. I'm listening to a new podcast. It's called What Remains. It's about cold cases that are solved using forensic science. It's good. I like these kind of, um, these kind of stories that go more to the science side. I mean, I listen to all kinds of true crime podcasts and, you know, some are kind of told from the reporter's stance, the police stance, the um, victim's families, sometimes even the victim themselves. But I like the ones that have that science, you know, um, aspect of them. So sort of told from that angle. I, I think I've seen every episode of Forensic Files. There was a time when I was falling asleep every night to them, but then I stopped because I thought 
that might be contributing to my uh, poor sleeping patterns, but it turns out it wasn't. But this podcast is really good. Um, it's not that old. I think there's maybe 10, 12 episodes out so far. They are about 30 to 45 minutes in length, but they're interesting. They're good. Um, not every episode is about a victim. Sometimes it's completely about the science. There was one really good episode about, um, they call it the body farm in, at, I believe it's the University of Tennessee. It was the first of its kind for them to be able to study the decomposition of human remains. There are several um, body farms now, but um, anyway, it, it, it's a really good podcast. If you like true crime, you will like it. And then on Netflix, I watched The Most Hated Man on the Internet. This is a three-part series, um, and about 20 minutes into the first episode, you will hate Hunter Moore. This is a vile, disgusting excuse for a man who started a website which, well, it's basically revenge porn. After her daughter's picture is posted on the site, mom Charlotte Laws takes on the fight to not only have her daughter's picture taken down, but also at least 40 other women whose pictures were posted without their consent. As much as you will hate Hunter, you will love Charlotte. This is as much a story about the power of a mother's love and determination as it is about the dangers of the internet. It's good. Like I said, it's only three parts, about an hour each, very easy to binge. This guy is disgusting. And a show that I told you about a while back has a new season out. Season three of Trying is out on Apple TV. I talked about this show before. I love this show. Season three is just as good as season one and two. And I also watched, uh, I binged, watched the whole first season of Uncoupled, also on Netflix. This is the new Neil Patrick Harris um, series. It is by the creator of Sex and the City, and you will notice many, many parallels between Sex and the City and Uncoupled, um, even some storylines. And I kind of was like, wait a minute, are they just copying Sex and the City? But then there's a line where it's kind of a wink and a nod to Sarah Jessica Parker. So I think it's more of an homage than a, uh, a copy. But I liked it. It's good. I like Neil Patrick Harris. I think he's so cute. I didn't watch um, How I Met Your Mother. So I don't I don't know him as Barney. I really only know him as Doogie. So it's strange to see Doogie all grown up and, uh, you know, dealing with adult relationship issues. But but it was good. If you like Sex and the Sea, you'll like Uncoupled. All right, guys, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So you, you guys know, I've been trying to find another job. And with the ultimate goal of moving and working in Tennessee. But in the meantime, you know, if I have to find another job just in Florida, that's fine too. And there's a lot of different reasons why I've been looking for another job. I, I think I've talked about them um, in a previous episode, but just to kind of catch you up. Um, I work as a contract employee, so it would be nice to have something with a little bit more stability. 
along with the fact that uh, because I'm a contract employee, there's really nowhere else for me to go within my company. So, you know, 10 years from now, I could potentially doing exactly what I'm doing today. And, you know, well, that's not a horrible thing. I would like the opportunity to grow and, you know, change with an organization. And I just can't get that where I currently am. I do love my job. You know, I, I, I love my coworkers. I love my boss. But there's something in me that's just telling me it's time for more, you know. And a while back when I thought I was interviewing for Pleasantville, USA, um, in Tennessee, I got kind of my heart set on it and I fell in love with Tennessee. And so, you know, the last few months I've been sending out a lot of resumes and then about a month or six weeks ago, I started getting responses and I was interviewing and I've had a lot of interviews. I've been really fortunate um, to at least get to that phase where, you know, I'm interviewing no offers yet, you know, but I was, I was optimistic because I thought, well, I have, you know, I've done at least 12 first interviews. I've, I've done maybe six second interviews. I still have more resumes out there. So there's, you know, the potential for more or an offer at some point. And then this week, the rejections started rolling in. I mean, all of last week, even over the weekend, <laughs> I was I was getting rejection emails. And in the middle of all that, like dealing with all the rejections, which, you know, is kind of a bummer, but okay, you know, there's, there's still more out there, you know, I still have a chance. In the middle of all that, I get an email from my landlord. And basically... My when I signed my lease, it was for a year. For some reason, we did not renew after the first year, but now he'd like to renew for the second year. And because of you know the, the cost of rents has skyrocketed this last year, he wants to raise my rent, and he he will be raising it to an amount that I can't afford. I wouldn't be able to afford my current job. So. <laughs> that adds like another layer, right? Because now it's not just, oh, someday I'd really love to move to Tennessee. So maybe I'll just, you know, throw a few resumes in that direction. Now I have to really focus because if I want to stay in my current job, no, if I want to stay in my current apartment, I can't stay in my current job. So either way, I have to find something new. I either have to move, stay in my current job and move, stay in my current apartment and get a different job, or, you know, just drop everything in Florida and just take a chance in Tennessee, which seems like too big of a chance for me to take, right? I mean, I'm just, I'm not that risky of a person, but, you know, I told you a few weeks ago, I feel like I'm juggling all these imaginary balls. Well, now these balls aren't so imaginary. Now I've got some real stuff that I need to figure out. And 
normally I'm kind of like a go with the flow kind of person. You know, I leave everything up in, in God's hands and I, I do my best in an interview, but if I don't get it, okay, God said that's not where I was supposed to be, you know, no big deal. But now I'm being forced to make a decision, you know, pick pick a direction, make a choice. And I am feeling the stress of that. And so when the rejection started rolling in, they felt bigger because suddenly there is now much more on the line. So just when I was starting to feel like, you know, pretty good about myself because of all the interviews, you know, here come all the thanks, but no thanks emails and the, you know, while your qualifications certainly were impressive, I, ugh, I, I hate, just tell me I didn't get the job, you know, say we went with somebody else. I, I don't understand why they feel they need to say stuff like that, because if you really thought my qualifications were impressive, I would have gotten the job. You don't need to soften the blow. You didn't choose me. I wasn't good enough. There's no softening that. Just say, we chose somebody better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't say, well, your qualifications are certainly were impressive. Oh, it's such BS. And it doesn't make me feel better. It kind of makes me feel worse. It's not like I've never been rejected before. I mean, everybody has, right? At some point or another, something you had your heart set on doesn't come through. But now I have the added pressure of where I'm going to live thrown in. You know, the, the job market right now is flooded. And a report on um, McKinsey and Company did a report that was published in July, which surveyed more than 13,000 people across the globe. And it showed that 40% of workers are considering quitting their current jobs in the next three to six months. And then another article I found on CNBC said that more than 4 million people have left their job each month in the U.S. so far this year. This is a continuing trend of the Great Resignation, which started in 2021, with about 48% of people who quit their jobs to pursue new opportunities in different industries. And at the same time, companies are not only having a hard time holding on to their employees, they're having trouble finding new ones. It seems like everyone I know is looking for a new job these days. For me, you know, there's a few reasons. You know, I, I already told you most of them, but, you know, it's things like stability, better benefits, higher pay. And I want to live and work in Tennessee. But that might have to be put on hold for now. I've been actively pursuing, you know, finding another job for the last few months. And you guys know all about everything I've gone through. At first, I was just submitting resumes and, you know, I wasn't hearing anything back. So then when the interview request started coming in, I thought, okay, well, here we go. You know, something will go, come through. And I wasn't really prepared for all the rejections because I thought I was doing well on the interviews. I thought they were going well. I thought for sure, especially the one I had earlier in the week, last week, that one went so well. I thought for sure I was going to get that job. 
literally the next day, I got an email saying that they had chosen another candidate. Well, this may sound mean, but with so many people looking for different jobs, you know, it's kind of no surprise that I'm getting rejected. So when they say things like, you know, you were good, but we actually found someone better, they're not lying. Most of the time when things don't work out the way I hoped they would, I can just tell myself it wasn't meant to be. But I would be lying if I said this whole process isn't stressful. I was thinking about it the other day and getting more and more nervous about it. And out of the blue, I started thinking about when I was a kid and I used to play gym. Now, I grew up playing cards. My parents played cards. They liked to play cards. My grandmother played cards. I played a lot with my with my grandmother because, you know, I'm old. There weren't electronics when I was a kid and cards were cheap. It was cheap entertainment for your kids. So I would watch my parents play cards a lot. Gin, my mother was especially good at. I don't know if my father ever beat her. <laughs> Not that I can remember. I don't think he ever beat her in a game of gin. She was that good. But one night I was watching them play and I was old enough at this point to kind of follow along and watch her, what she was doing, you know, what she was picking up, what she was holding, what she was discarding. And I noticed a pattern. And then afterwards I asked her, I was like, you know, what? Well, why did you hold that? Or why did you throw that away? Or why wouldn't you keep that? And my mom said, you always want to give yourself as many options as possible. So you don't hold things where only one card is going to complete that run or that set. You know, you need one specific four of diamonds, you know, to complete it. You keep it open on both ends so you can do, you know, four of any suit or, you know, some other card. And that lesson has always kind of stayed with me to not narrow my options. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do now. Like I'm, I, I'm seeking alternatives and I don't want to just wait around for like the perfect offer to find me because that's not going to happen. I'm also going to have to like open my search to other areas. So like I said, Tennessee might have to wait for a bit. I'm trying really hard not to stress too much. <laughs> I keep reminding myself that however it works out, it always works out. And just like I told you in previous episodes, the best indication of future behavior is past behavior. And for me, in my past, somehow, it always works out. Maybe not the way I thought it would or I wanted it to, but in the end, it's always fine. And rejection, it happens to everyone. It doesn't feel great. Whether it's not getting the job you wanted or not getting invited to that party or being ghosted by your new potential love interest. It hurts to be rejected. 
No matter what it is, when you feel rejected, it feels like you're not good enough. It's a blow to our self-esteem. I've been through so much rejection as a teen that I really thought I had hit my lifetime quota. And if that's not a thing, it really should be. The paradox is when you keep getting rejected over and over and you don't want to keep going because it feels awful, the only way to get past those feelings is to keep going. Keep taking a chance that someone, sometime, is is going to give you that opportunity. And it's really hard to keep going. I know. I get it. Like, you know, you get to the point where you're like, how much rejection am I expected to take? But for me, I really only have three options. Option number one, like I said, in order to stay in my current place, I need to make more money. That's just a fact. There's no getting around it. Which means I could look for a better paying job in Jacksonville. Or option number two, I could move to a smaller place and that would mean I could stay at my current job while continuing to look for something else, but buying some time as far as the living situation is concerned. The drawback here is that I would probably have to sign a lease, which would then lock me into at least another year in Jacksonville. Or option number three, one of the many jobs I've applied for in Jacksonville actually comes through, but right now, ooh, this seems like the least likely because this one is almost completely out of my control. So of course, <laughs> this is the option that makes me the most nervous. When I was researching the topic for this week, I thought I wanted to talk about getting over rejection. But the more research I did, the less I agreed with this. Because lately, the rejections haven't been feeling that bad. Yes, rejection is hard and it can take a toll on our self-esteem. But how many times have you been disappointed because you missed out on something only to look back months or years later and be happy with the way things turned out? All those times, you know, all those first dates that I went on that didn't work out or the guys who ghosted me, I could look at those as rejections or I could look at them as just God removing them from my life. The jobs that are now saying thanks but no thanks, maybe they're just not where I'm meant to be. And another benefit, I'm getting really good at interviewing. (laughs) which I just know is going to pay off eventually. The majority of rejections I've been getting are for jobs I applied for in Tennessee, you know, for Tennessee state government. But maybe this just isn't the right time for me to move there. And maybe this is God's way of saying like, whoa, little girl, hold your horses. I know you really want to get to Tennessee, but it might not be time yet. Because God puts up roadblocks for a reason, no matter how badly I might want to do something. So even though rejection doesn't feel great, sometimes it's a blessing in disguise. The other side of rejection is that you're taking the chance. You're putting yourself out there, and that's a good thing. 
With all the rejections I've had lately, I almost feel like a pro now. Which means some of the sting has been taken out of it. I'm not taking it so personally anymore. Most of my rejections were automated responses, which means something in my resume didn't fit their resume screening algorithm. And even those rejections, I've even the those rejections that I've gotten, I've actually, you know, like they don't even bother me as much as they used to. Like the ones where I where I actually met with the person and like the one I the interview I had last week, met with three of them, thought I did great, thought it went really well, and got an email the next day saying we chose another candidate. And I thought, okay, well, that's good because if in the 20 minutes we met, you didn't feel that our personalities were a good match, the chances of us being able to work together, not great. Some people even seek out rejection. Business and branding coach Tiffany Hahn runs a program called 100 Rejection Letters. It's a yearly coaching program where the goal is to get 100 rejection letters as a way to push young women to get their work out there. If you still need proof that the occasional rejection is a good thing, remember that the most successful people have experienced the most failures. Need proof? Walt Disney was turned down by 302 bankers before he finally got funded for Disneyland. J.K. Rowling had 12 publishers scoff at Harry Potter. Steve Jobs was fired by his own company before being asked back years later. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school varsity basketball team. Without a string of rejections, we'd failed to see the real value in the ultimate goal. Every single no will make that one yes even more meaningful. So instead of thinking of every rejection as a setback, maybe we should just see it as change in our path. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks so much for coming back for episode 101. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, My So-Called Midlife Podcast, and like the Facebook page, My So-Called Midlife Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and then tell them to listen because the second part is the important part. Spotify listeners, leave a review. Five stars only, please. If you have questions or topic suggestions, email me at my so-called midlife podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Love you. Bye.